0: Stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm going solo again to discuss the oil and the energy stocks. Um... As you know, much like 2015, the energy stocks have plunged down, especially the EMPs, and those, for those of you who don't know, are the exploration and production companies. So they're always shortened to E and and A and P's. These are the companies most impacted by the sudden decline in crude because their budgets are predicated on the price per barrel. Now there is a lot of hedging and other things going on with a lot of these companies. But if crude were to stay at a lower level for a considerable amount of time, these are the ones where their budgets are impacted immediately. They don't have refining or chemicals or other things to offset what's going on with the crude or natural gas prices, depending on the company. So right now, crude has sunk back below $50 a barrel, and that is for the WTI. So this is at 52-week lows now. And there's worries that another supply glut, thanks to both the Saudis and the Americans, pumping out record production in both October and November of this year, are going to send this the price spiraling down even lower again. So we're starting to see some people out there <clears throat> predicting that $40 And, um, you know, that's when we'll start to get people saying, oh my gosh, the doom is here again. And we'll start seeing the $30 predictions and on and on if it gets down there. We're not there yet but if it does. So I'm gonna go through a little bit of history about like how we got here again. (laughs) And then I'm gonna talk about where the insiders are buying in some of these EMP stocks because they are buying and this is the most insider buying I've ever seen in this category in any of these energy stocks and yes that includes the 2015 2016 and even 2017 time periods for these stocks when some insiders were buying but not like this this they've all they've all do- dove in in some of these companies so let's discuss how we got here so OPEC just had its Uh, annual meeting, and it did decide to cut supply. So OPEC is cutting supply by 1.2 million barrels per day. Now, normally that kind of announcement would be meted by Cheers, by the um, energy traders and it would mean higher oil prices because obviously they're cutting production that's going to help with the supply glut or the supposed supply glut everybody thinks is happening and that would at least stabilize the crude, if not send it maybe slightly higher. But around the same day as the OPEC meeting in early December 2018 the U.S. producers also hit a new record in their production of 11.7 million barrels per day. Now, the story here really is about U.S. shale and the phenomenal um, gains that it is making in production there, and it's not really being talked about much. Uh, I know Shirazmian and I have talked about it numerous times on our various podcasts on energy that we've done. But other than us, not in a, you know, the oil industry watchers, the greater financial uh, community isn't really paying attention to what's going on with american energy and this is really a game changer for the industry is what's happening now in the united states so i took a look to see at just how dramatic it has been in the increase in production so i went back to january 2010 so that's after the great recession which you know obviously hit demand worldwide hard and so a lot of production fell off a cliff there during the great recession but by 2010 it was starting to recover as the global economy was recovering so in January 2010 the Americans were were drilling about 5.4 million barrels per day so that's that's approximate based on the charts that I've been looking at and then by January 2014 so 4 years later they were already up to 8 million and then by January 2018, so just about a year ago, they were at 9.9 million. Now, at the start of 2018, the IEA and OPEC both expected the Americans to see gains of maybe about a million barrels per day off of that um, 9.9 million no- number or so. Instead, it has averaged throughout the year about 1.8. 5 million barrels so an extra 500,000 barrels now remember december's the latest reading for that new record in early december 2018 was 11.7 million barrels or about 1.8 million above a year ago so that's almost 2 million barrels above a year ago and all the expectations were only on a million barrels um, in gains. So this is far above already what everybody thought would be happening. And to put it at some into perspective, according to the Financial Times, that is equal to the output, the individual output of eight of the 14 OPEC members every year. So that 1.8 million is just tremendous <laughs> let's put it that way it's just huge And another perspective point it's about half of Iran's production is just in that gain for a year. So um, so yes, we have OPEC cutting now 1.2 million barrels but suddenly the Americans well not suddenly but well over the last year are now producing 1.8 million above. And then you had the Saudis who were also at their own record production. I think it was a little over 11 million barrels in October, November of this year. And you can see that these new OPEC cuts, you know, aren't really exciting the market like like they used to do. Um, So that's why we're not seeing the response in crude that normally we would see. Because these cuts by OPEC are really kind of now a drop in the bucket. Now, just another context kind of uh, story as crude and natural gas prices rose and they did go up over $70 this year. I think they're going to average close to $70, depending on what we see here the last like two weeks of the year. But U.S. producers did what all good capitalists do, right? As their product, the price of their product rises they decided to do more of it. And natural gas prices also rose. So they were um, really producing both of those entities in bigger um, volumes than they otherwise would have done because the incentives are there, right? To drill more, why wouldn't you? So the Americans were really going at it. And then you did have the Saudis also at the record. So now we have this kind of glut out there But what about demand? That's the other side of this whole story. And there are some global fears of a slowdown now, um, especially in China and some other emerging market countries, uh, especially um, big energy users, maybe like India, it's unclear if they're going to keep up their torrid pace that they've been at with GDP over 8%. Um, And then everybody, everybody I know is basically predicting a recession in the U.S., in maybe late 2019 early 2020 that's the going those that's the going odds right now um but as you know i like to look at my magic eight ball and it's always tells me on a recession question you know um check back in later <laughs> you know it's cloudy right now isn't that one of the eight ball sayings i think so so yeah i'm not sure i'm buying into the recession timeline that everybody's giving but we will have one and with the recession is a slowdown in energy demand. So with the U.S. being still one of the big users of, of energy, if the U.S. slows down, then that demand slows down and we have this record production. So all in all, this is not a good scenario again for crude prices. And so we have to ask, where is the catalyst for higher prices? So in um, I took a look at the last big downturn in energy prices to see how much of U.S. production went offline when that happened, when they shut down rigs and laid off people, basically. Um, So I took a look from May 2015 through August 2016. So almost a year, they were drilling the U.S. 9.5 million barrels and it went down to 8.4. So a little over a million barrels were taken off the market during that downturn and then if you remember cuz you you may not cuz it's been a couple of years now i had to go back and check the wti price actually hit bottom in january 2016 at around 3577 so remember that was the time the super dark the darkness in the energy market when everyone was saying oh it's going to 10 or 15 dollars a barrel all these energy companies are going to go under the doom is here. And stock market actually also got hammered in January 2016. It was one of the worst Januarys in um, you know recent memory for stocks, because as crude kept going down, so did the stock market, but finally bottomed out in January 2016. And by May 2016, it was back around 50. So a um, little bit of breathing room there. And a lot of the EMPs were able to get back on track and um, deal with their budgets and what was going on with their debt and other things. So it wasn't the doom and gloom that was predicted. But remember, no OPEC member can really sustain its own budgets at thirty five dollars. Um, that would be WTI. But even at like forty five dollars for Brent crude, they they just cannot pay their own bills because a lot of the OPEC countries, remember, are um, basically their revenues to pay for their budgets, their national budgets are through their oil production. So um, some of the numbers I've seen are as high in the 70s for some of these countries to actually meet their budget projections. So uh, Brent crude at in the 40s is not going to cut it. They can go down there for some time. And they have, you know, excess reserves they can tap and things, but they can't stay down there for a long length of time. So this is a scenario that we're now facing again heading into 2019 is that um, the U.S. is just producing too much oil now. <laughs> and the Saudis were producing too much oil, but now we're cutting back, but it probably will not be enough. So everybody's uh, readjusting their prices here. And the energy stocks have all been hammered. So, this brings me to the real reason we're having this podcast. Where are the oil insiders buying? Where are they bullish? Many of you know who follow me on Twitter that um, I've been saying the EMP insiders have been diving in as these stocks have sunk. And some of the buys have been the largest cluster buys. That's what I call them when a bunch of insiders all buy at the same time. That's a cluster buy. And these have been the largest insider buys I've ever seen in the seven years I've been running the insider trader portfolio here at Saks. And I run these screens all the time. And so I've seen quite a few um, corrections in other markets, including the prior correction in energy, when, yes, a lot of insiders were buying during that correction, but not at this level. They just they were not buying en masse like I'm seeing this time And even with the banks, that was the other last big insider cluster buys I've seen in the last couple of years. But um, the banks were not quite as large as this, although those were pretty massive, too. And that was about two years ago, also early 2016 for the banks. So um, that's another area, actually, I'll be keeping an eye on because they may be buying there again if those bank stocks continue to plummet as those are. So I'll keep an eye on that one. Might have another podcast coming on the banks. But with energy, these are the biggest that I've seen. So let's get into it. Um, I'm not going to go a, a ton into the fundamentals of these companies. So you need to do some research. I did some before I came on because I did want to know where did they drill, how big are they, um, that kind of thing. But I do encourage everyone to do their own research on any of these smaller EMPs because um, there's a lot going on with them in terms of debt and all of that. You need to look for solid balance sheets and good management. This is what I said last time when we had the downturn. It's, it's vital again because Um, Yes, most of these survived the last downturn, but um, we don't know how complacent they've gotten over the last year or two with these crude prices much higher. So let's get right into it. Okay, the first company on the list is called Magnolia Oil and Gas. The ticker is MGY, and if you're not familiar with this one, that's because they're new. They were formed in 2018 with the merger of a couple other smaller companies, so their history is not real long here. Who's been buying? In the week of December 10th, two insiders bought just that week alone, uh, the CEO and the general counsel. This has a $2.7 billion market cap, so it's not one of the super micro um, EMPs. So I would consider this like a medium mid-size um, EMP, but they do not pay a dividend. They are drilling in Eagle Ford Shale and the Austin uh, Chalk in Texas. And these share price is not really near the lows here. I did look, it's only down 13% year to date. It is trading with the PE of about eight though, but just a warning on the PEs with all of these, Right now, the estimates are holding. I took a look at the estimates myself. You can do that as well on zax.com to kind of see what the analysts are doing. But the analysts are not going to touch these estimates until the next earnings season and until they wait and see what happens with crude prices and all the rest. Will crude prices really stay at this level for a considerable length of time? That's when the analysts start to cut and when the game starts to change on the actual earnings. But we saw this happen, the last downturn in energy prices as well. The analysts are always behind. They're always changing it after the fact because they don't know, basically. Just being frank, they don't know. So they're going to keep where they are until they hear otherwise from the company or even just from the industry in general as we start getting some of these um, energy companies reporting next earnings season. It's starting in January already. Then, then they'll know and then we'll start to see some of the cuts. So these low PEs with a lot of these may not be low. For long, so just keep that in mind. If you're like, it's so cheap, um, because those some of this may not hold. But the first stock on our list is Magnolia Oil and Gas. Ticker again is MGY. Then let's switch over to a slightly bigger player, Berry Petroleum. This ticker is BRY, and they are actually kind of unique because they're drilling in the Western states. Uh, they're California based. They're drilling also in Colorado and Utah. But they've been drilling in California for over 100 years in that San Joaquin Basin there. And they supply mostly California there with um, oil. And I didn't realize this, but California is the third largest reserves in the U.S. per state. So a lot going on in California. Who's buying here? The week of December 10th again. That's real recent from when I'm recording this podcast. And the CEO and the COO both bought shares that week. This company is mostly crude. It's 81% oil, 17% nat gas, and 2% natural gas liquids. So it is crude is a big deal. But if you look at some of their quarterly presentations, they talk about how much they're hedged and what they're doing with the hedging. So that is key for all investors. You want to kind of know Am I going to, are we going to get killed here as the crude price goes down or have they hedged some of this so it's not going to be, the pain isn't going to be so bad. But these shares are down 32% year to date. They're now trading at seven times. But this one, Barry Petroleum's been around a while. It does have the more experienced management team um, out of some of these. So keep that in mind as well. But that ticker again is BRY. Then we're going to switch over to Matador. This ticker is MTDR, MTDR. And they this one has seen incredible amounts of insider buying. There's been over 15 insiders buying in November and December of this year, including four more insiders who bought the week of December 10th. Some of those were second-time buys, like they bought in November. Now they're doubling down again in December. Those insiders were two directors, the CEO and the executive vice president of land were buying over there. This has a market cap of about $2 billion. The shares are now at 52-week lows. They're down 45% and they've just, um, year to date, and they've just taken that plunge in November. That's why the insiders were like, nah, this is overdone. They don't pay a dividend. Oh, I forgot to mention about Berry Petroleum. Oh, this was big news. Can't believe I forgot this. They pay a dividend yield of 4.6%. So um, that's pretty big deal. Did I say that one was bigger than Magnolia? No, they have a market cap of 754 million. So they're smaller. Why did I think they were bigger? They're not. Maybe because I got... I got faked out by the dividend. Um, but they have that big dividend, and um, that's something to keep in mind with Barry because that's hard to do for these smaller EMPs. But they're they're running that ship pretty good over there. And they just announced a share repurchase. Okay, but back to Matador. <laughs> um, no dividend with Matador. That's what made me think of Barry. But these guys drill in the Delaware Basin and Eagle Ford Shale of the Permian. So we know Permian is one of the places to be. And this one is trading at 10 times, but massive insider buying at Matador. Okay, let's switch over to another one that's also seeing really huge insider buying. And this is one of the bigger ones um, in Cana, in Cana might be in Kana. I kind of like that better. ECA is a ticker. It's Canadian. And this one has a market cap of $5.5 billion. They, too, pay a dividend. It's yielding only 1%, but tells you something if they're paying it. Now, this one announced in early November that they are going to merge with New Field Exploration, which has a lot more U.S. production in areas they do not. So... While the analysts were kind of like, meh, about this merger, the Wall Street didn't really like it because they're going to take on a little over $2 billion in debt of Newfield and they didn't like it at this time. This was even before the crude price plunged, but they are going to raise that dividend. And I think they were doing a share share repurchase plan as well once the deal goes through to kind of reward investors. So we had one insider buying the week of December 10th. He It was a director. Um, But prior to that, in November through early December, there were over 13 insiders buying here, just a huge number diving in like Matador, and they um, are buying on the way down because these shares are now down 58% year to date, and they've really just taken a dive and are at new 52-week lows now, to put some in perspective, um, I've seen some analyst price targets on them between $10 and $14 a share, depending on the analyst. And the shares are at around five, $5.70 right now. So you can really see the oversold condition here. They're trading at nine times. Um, some of these, I feel like. Uh, Wall Street believes like, oh, it's over. The game is over now. And th- that's how badly they've abandoned ship on some of these. And that is why the insiders go going in because the insiders know, no, it's not. The game is not up. The jig isn't up. Um, we're still we're still drilling here. And so they just believe their shares are extremely cheap here. So that's Encana. ECA is the ticker there. And then um, let's switch to another pretty sizable uh, mid cap EMP which I um, had not heard of before either. It hadn't come across my radar, but it's also interesting. It's Parsley Energy. The ticker is PE. P isn't just like PE like the PE. <laughs> and their PE is nine point nine. Um, so that's easy, easy to remember. A ticker PE. They have had three insiders. Have bought since late November through early December. They were all directors. This one has a $5 billion market cap. It does not pay a dividend, but it is a Permian player as well. It's drilling in Delaware and Midland basins. And um it said in its third quarter, and I do encourage you to read some of these presentations. Like I said, the energy companies usually do put out like nice additional presentations to their press releases. And in the third quarter, they said they have hedged almost all of 2018. So they've hedge protection on 2018. And then they've added to 2019 and even 2020 positions. So I like to hear that when the price is plunging down, that they have some kind of protection here. Now, this uh this one has traded down 47% year to date. It is at new 52 week lows around $15.70 or so, 1570. So this is another one that has just really been beaten down, so some of those directors have jumped in to buy. Now, I did take a look at some of the big big players cuz some of you have tweeted at me when I've talked about all the insider buying and you've been like, but Tracy, no one is buying in these companies. So I don't know what you're talking about. And it is true at the really big, massive players, nobody is buying. So I took a look at four of them. I looked at Diamondback, which is ticker Fang, F-A-N-G. This is a Permian favorite, I should say, by many of you. Those shares are down 30% year-to-date, no insider buying. I looked at Pioneer Natural Resources, another big Permian play, PXD is a ticker. Shares are down 22.6% there, no insider buying. I looked at EOG Resources, ticker EOG. Those shares are only down 12.6, so not quite as extreme sell-off there. And then I looked at Apache. I own Apache in my own personal portfolio, and I've owned it for like 18 years, just FYI, that ticker is APA and that that company, those, or those shares are down 33% year to date and are now at new multi-year lows actually, but no insider buying is going on there. Now, in some of the last downturns, there were some smattering of insider buying at Apache, And a few also at Pioneer back a couple years ago now. So um, that's something to keep in mind that some of those insiders have in the past been known to buy in, but not en masse. There haven't been 10 of them buying like I've seen at some of these others. That doesn't mean that won't happen again this time. So I know the question is, well, why is nobody buying there? That must be a bad sign if nobody's buying at these big guys. And some of that may be because... Compliance requirements are different with larger companies. Um, Some of these may not allow the insiders to buy and sell as frequently as some smaller players that don't have as tight of compliance requirements. So the bigger companies tend to watch um, and issue like alerts out a lot of times on like when insiders can buy and sell the stock. And so we don't know what's going on with some of these. We we have no idea, you know, if something is brewing behind the scenes, even even a merger, acquisition, any of that. Um, and they may be on lockdown already heading into next quarter's earning season. Although some of them tend to report a little bit later in the season in of uh, this will be mid to late February of next year. But it doesn't mean that their compliance departments already don't have them on lockdown. So... The, the non-buying doesn't really tell us that much. I, I know many of you want to believe that it does. You want to say like, oh, those are bad because no one's buying there. But that's not really the case. And the same would be true of the big integrateds. You never really see a lot of insider buying there because of compliance issues and um, other factors that just don't make it as conducive to the insiders to buy. But... Where we do see it is in the much smaller companies and these smaller EMPs where compliance is a little bit different and the window to buy and sell is open much uh, more readily, let's just say, than with some of these others. So I do have to say with Ankana, you could see when the window actually opened there for the insiders to buy and sell because they announced their new field exploration deal in early November. And then literally like two or three days later is when some insiders started buying after the shares declined. So they would have been on lockdown ahead of that, that merger acquisition. acquisition. Acquisition announcement, and then their compliance department would have said, Okay, all the news is out there now. Now you can buy. And we did see people literally jumping in to buy as soon as they opened that window. So keep that in mind. And with some of these ones that I just commented on, even if their share continued to decline into January here. That doesn't, and the insider buying may not continue because they may be on lockdown by early January ahead of the earnings season for their own companies. So don't, again, think that that's necessarily a signal of like, oh, they've stopped buying now um, because we are getting closer to the earnings season when a lot of companies are now on lockdown. They can't buy because they have some insider knowledge that you and I don't have about what their quarter is going to look like and they can no longer buy and sell on the open market. So keep that in mind when you are looking at these insider um, buys, because you can't assume that a that some insider can just buy and sell whenever he or she wants to. Um, That's basically never the case. But some of these are a little bit looser than others. So this is where we stand going into 2019. As many of you know, I'm a big fan of the energy stocks. I own um, several of them in my own personal portfolios and several in the portfolios I run here at Zacks. Um, As I mentioned, on the ones we've talked about, I do own Apache. I do not have positions in any of these others that I've mentioned here today, but um, my energy stocks have gotten hammered along with everyone else's. I do consider this to be a buying opportunity. I don't believe that crude prices will stay this low, and many of these energy companies have been lean, mean fighting machines now that they survived the prior downturn, And um, they haven't had time with energy prices at really high levels to get all giddy about having a lot of money again. So keep that in mind when you're looking at energy. I'm not saying that the pain is over. We've had many of these podcasts over the last three years. And just when I thought, oh, maybe the bottom is in, um, doesn't mean that it is. So be prepared. But if you do have a strong stomach, there may be some opportunities here. So let's recap the tickers I talked about again. Magnolia, MGY. Uh, Berry Petroleum is BRY. We had Matador, MTDR. Incana is ECA. Uh, Parsley Energy, PE. And then I mentioned some of the big guys. Diamondback is FANG, F A N G. Pioneer, PXD. EOG Resources, EOG. And then we had Apache, APA. And I'll be still monitoring everything that's going on with these stocks going into first quarter um, of the year and that fourth quarter earnings season. A lot of questions will be coming their way during the conference calls about what's happening with uh, earnings and all of that. Keep an eye on the earnings estimates, but as I said, they probably won't change until those earnings reports start to funnel in or as many of these companies have a habit of doing, they usually announce production and um, production guidance ahead of their actual earnings reports. So keep an eye out for those as well because we're going to get a lot of clues as to how things are going with them. I mean, if they start to cut production, that'll give us some clues right there. So um, a lot going on and you don't want to miss a single episode of the Market Edge. I'm going to have more about what to look for heading into 2019 coming up on the next episode. So be sure to subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts under the Zach's Market Edge and on SoundCloud. You can get us at either place, but be sure to get us every week so you don't miss a single show. And I'll be back again next time with some picks heading into 2019. See you then.